the reality is, whatever your calling is, that is your ministry. You know, there is no sacred secular divide. If you're called to be a teacher, if you're called to be a full-time mom, if you're called to be a mechanic or a CEO or a doctor or a lawyer, that's your calling. And and uh, but you need times of rest as well. And and because you can burn out in any one of those uh, careers, you know, any one of those spheres. Hey everybody, I'm so glad you're able to join me today as we continue our study on overcoming anxiety. And if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to, to check it out on our YouTube page. And um, it's uh, the handle is at Pastor John Ahern. And uh, I really believe this two-part series will help you uh, to overcome anxiety. And I really believe this is something God uh, very much wants every one of us to do. He doesn't want us to be anxious. He doesn't want us to be fearful. He doesn't want us to be fretting. Uh, he doesn't want us to be discouraged or depressed because he is a good father and he loves us. And, uh, you know, just as any of us that are parents wouldn't want our children uh, to be anxious about things. And when they are anxious, we always want to try and find out what's wrong with them so that we can try and help sort the situation, amen, because we, we love our children, we want the best for them, and how much more does our Father in heaven uh, want us to walk in his shalom? Uh, that's such a beautiful uh, Jewish word, and, and it just literally means peace, his peace. Uh, Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And we read this last week in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and this is his name by which he'll be called, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, and we can trust him, we can look to him in every situation, knowing that, you know, no matter what we face, Christ has already overcome it for us, and um uh, and, and therefore we can we can trust him, amen? And uh, I just want to read it here again. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And, uh, you know, I think we're increasingly finding that uh, the, the problems of this world are not going to be solved by uh, politics, which uh, are, are becoming increasingly corrupt. And um, uh, I believe the, the only solution to the problems of our generation is Jesus. Jesus is the only answer, and, and increasingly so, the church is beginning to see that, that only Jesus can fix this. Only Jesus can solve the problems of this world. And uh, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Thank you, Lord. And I thank God that there will be no end to his uh, glorious reign in Jesus' name. And so we started last week by reading Psalm 23, and I want to do the same again this week because it really sets the tone, um, uh, you know, for what we want to uh, see because I believe there's many uh, lessons within this psalm that will enable us uh, to overcome anxiety. Uh, because when you read the psalm, you see there is an implicit trust. There, there is uh, such a trust, um, you know, in, in David 
as he writes, uh, a trust in God because David himself was a shepherd and he, he knew what it was to be there for his sheep, to protect them, to feed them, to guide them, to fight for them. And he had that revelation that the Lord was his shepherd. Isn't that beautiful? That even though he was king, that the Lord was his shepherd. Uh, Because he understood when he was living in the caves of Hebron, running for his life, um, the Lord was his shepherd, protecting him, guiding him, directing him. And, uh, and, And you know what? God is no respecter of persons. What God did for Moses, what God did for David, what God did for Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, uh, what God did uh, for all of the men and women down through the ages, he will do for you. Amen. He hasn't forgotten you. He sees you. He knows you and he loves you. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I love one verse in the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't want for anything. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd and it must be made personal. Don't speak about it in an abstract, uh, theoretical manner. The Lord is your shepherd. He is your shepherd. Amen. And because of that, you shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And so this psalm, you know, really describes a life that is perfectly at balance, perfectly at peace. Why? Because it's Christ-centered and because it's God-focused. Amen. We must we must be Christ-centered and, you know, Christ is God, but we must live a God-focused life, a Christ-centered life in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we looked last week at the first key. Um, you know, if, if we want to overcome anxiety, I believe the first key is prayer. Like everything, it starts with prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer, like the, uh, like the old song goes. Amen. And the second one, I would say this is move. Uh, you need to move. First Corinthians chapter nine and verse 24. And, uh, I, I really think this is, is quite key. And uh, you may feel this is not very spiritual, but here Paul the Apostle is talking. He said, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I've preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. And and so Paul here is talking about running that you may win the prize uh, that God is calling all of us to heavenward and that we must run in such a way that we may obtain it. And he's talking about how an athlete um, in preparation for his race or, you know, whatever trial, uh, uh, boxing match, etc., that he is going through, um, he has to prepare himself. A friend of mine, um, his, his, uh, 
his kid is probably about 12 and he's um he's boxing but you know what he's cut out all of the junk food from his diet and he's uh, starting to eat like an athlete even though he's just a 12 year old kid and you know this is the reality is that uh, sometimes people in the world are more serious about the things of god than we are and um so paul said i discipline my body you see we were made to move and um you need to develop a healthy lifestyle by exercising regularly. Yes, there's a parallel to this spiritually, absolutely. We need to be disciplined in our prayer life. We need to be disciplined in, in our study of the word and in going to church and in confessing the word, etc. But you know what? Sometimes Christians um, either become so focused on the, the physical, they neglect the spiritual, or they become so focused on the spiritual, they neglect uh, the, the physical. And it's not either or. I think it's important. If you want to be in this for the long run, you will need to look after your body. Did you know that exercise is a natural antidepressant? Amen. And so this is why it's good to get some cardio by going for a walk or a run or a cycle or a swim. And uh, uh, I, I think it's good to combine it with some, some weights um, because it will do you good and you will feel better. And um, this is the thing. You will also sleep better if you exercise. Um, you know, often before I have to go for a long journey, like driving from uh, Dublin to Kerry, um, I'll go for a long walk and I'll just get some fresh air in my lungs. Um, because you're going to be sitting, you know, behind a wheel for, for quite some time. And so it, it's important that you, uh, that you exercise and then your body can treat the drive as a rest as opposed to just, um, you know, just sitting there vegetating. Um, and, and so the fresh air will really do you good. It will do your mental health good. Go for a walk in the forest. Go for a walk somewhere. Take your dog out for a walk. It's, it's so important um, that we look after ourselves physically. Amen. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16 says this, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And so your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and of course, it's important that we build our spirit, that we get strong spiritually, but it's important we don't neglect our physical body. Uh, I, I'll tell you this. I've been exercising regularly for the best part of 40 years. And um, personally, I think we have a responsibility to look after our body because we want to be in this for the long run. Uh, you know, don't buy into the lie that, oh, that's just for young people. No, I'm telling you, when I'm 80 years of age, I'm going to be still exercising because I recognize that it is important and that it's beneficial. And um, I think there's too many Christians that really uh, neglect um, exercise because they think it's not particularly spiritual. Um, you know, it may or may not be spiritual, but it's certainly very uh, important physically. And, you know, the amazing thing is this, is when I go out for a cycle, I usually try to go for a cycle a couple times a week. Many times God will give me a lot of great ideas um, for my message. He'll just plant things in my heart, thoughts or scriptures or verses or points and different things. And, you know, a lot of it is just to do with the fact that you're getting fresh air, you're going out, you're changing the scene and um, it's, it's healthy and it's important. And that's why people struggle so much during lockdown mentally is because they were stuck inside their house. It was the same place um, every day, day after day and the monotony and the boredom. And, uh, you know, we were made to move. And uh, so uh, I think this is important. First uh, Timothy 4 verse 8 says this, For bodily exercise profits a little, 
But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life which now is and of that which is to come. And um, some people say, ah, well, they dismiss exercise because they say, well, it profits little. Well, it does profit. <laughs> and I think it's important to clarify that point. It's a profit and not a loss. And no, the, it, certainly it doesn't take the place of, of our spiritual uh, endeavors, our spiritual exercise. And um, it doesn't take precedence over that. Of course, it's, it, it's certainly more important that we pray and that we're going to church and reading the Bible. But I do think it's important to get exercise. And you know what? Even if it's just that you're walking to church and getting exercise that way, I mean, you know, it's about an attitude. And the third point is this. Firstly, pray. Secondly, move. Thirdly, rest. Uh, and, and we see this in Psalm 23, and uh, it says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sometimes the master has to make us lie down and get some rest because it's great to work for God, but it's also important to wait on God. And this is the problem. Too many times people are working for God but not waiting on God. And, um, and, and so this is the reality. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get a good night's rest. Uh, because some people are driven. They never rest. And this is the reason why some people die before their time. And so if you're working hard and exercising, you will also need time to rest. And so it's, it's you know, life is very much about balance and and just getting the, the, the balance right. Because like I said, some people get don't get the balance right and uh, they die before their time. I've seen people, you know, tremendously used by God, tremendously anointed by God, tremendous knowledge of the scriptures, but uh, because they've uh, neglected their body for years, the culmination of that um, uh, leads to the fact that they get a heart attack and die before their time or because they're morbidly obese or, and, um, uh, and it's not healthy. And it doesn't matter, you know, uh, about what narrative is put out there in terms of an, uh, empowering people and celebrating people as they are. Um, you know, physically, the physical reality is, is if you're very overweight, um, there's a much greater chance of you dying before your time. And so it's important to look after our bodies. And so if you're exercising, you will also need to get rest. And, you know, it doesn't matter if your career uh, is... Uh, as a full-time mom or whether you're, uh, you know, full-time in the workforce, um, you know, whatever your particular career may be, um, either way you are working. And I think it's very insulting sometimes to, to act like, you know, uh, a, a mom who's full-time in the home um, doesn't have a job. Absolutely she does. It's raising the next generation and uh, it's a tremendously important job, but it's also a very tiring job. And so you will need rest. And, um, you know, moms and dads need rest. And, uh, you know, this is where I think, you know, grandparents, uh, you know, and relatives are very important. And, um, and, and for those of you maybe who are far from home, um, this is where I think the church uh, certainly helps by building that circle of, of godly friends that can help you uh, during those times when you will be under pressure. And if you have children, I assure you the times will come when you will be under pressure and when you will be exhausted. And uh, But you know what? It's just a season and that season will pass. But, you know, either way, whatever you're doing, work is hard and you need rest, not just physically, but mentally. And because this is the, the thing, uh, some of you go to bed, but you're not sleeping. 
Uh, and the reason why you're not sleeping is because you're agitated or you're worked up. And so a good idea is to not be on the phone or TV late, but go up to bed an hour or so before you go to sleep and just bring a book and sit and read that book or read your Bible in bed. And um, because the blue light from TVs and phones and tablets and laptops keeps you awake. And, and so you're going to bed and you're very alert. Uh, but you know what, take a book to bed and you'll be amazed at, at how you will uh, just be able to go to sleep easier because reading helps us to wind down and rest, not just physically, but mentally. Amen. And so Mark chapter 4 um, and verse 38. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So rest is an essential part of your peace. If you're tired or weary, you won't have the strength necessary to fight back against the attacks of the enemy. When you're tired, uh, you this is the reality when you are tired you feel overwhelmed and everything tends to look gloomy and hopeless and uh, that's why uh, in the earlier years of my marriage I learned uh, my wife would say John you're tired you just need to go to bed because I would start to complain and whine and feel sorry for myself and literally start talking myself out of the blessings of God we see the truth is sometimes you're not under spiritual attack you're just tired you're just weary. You just need a good sleep. Even Jesus slept on a boat. And, you know, people have come up with all sorts of theories as to why this was the case. Um, they say, oh, he was testing his disciples. He wanted them to use their faith in the storm. He wanted to demonstrate his almighty omnipotence. Um, no, I, I believe he was just tired. And, um, you know, uh, certainly the storm, I believe, could have been the enemy trying to take him out. But I believe he was asleep in the pillow because he was exhausted from ministering to people. And, and, you know, ministry is very tiring. And even Jesus, the Son of God, the Anointed One, needed to rest. Do you know, there's another time he told his disciples to come aside to rest. Mark chapter 6 and verse 30. And, um, you know, it's interesting that they're both uh, close to each other in the Bible. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it was a very intense season of ministry. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Now, the disciples had been out ministering. Uh, he had sent them out on mission. They'd been ministering. But this is the reality is that you can't keep going the whole time. It's a bit like a phone. Eventually, that phone needs to be plugged in and recharged. And that's the way you are as well. And um, so he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going. They did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place um, in the boat by themselves but the multitude saw him departing and many knew him and ran there on foot from the cities they arrived before them and came together to him and Jesus when he came out saw a great multitude and instead of sighing or just complaining or getting angry and getting on the boat and trying to go somewhere else it says when he saw a great multitude he was moved of compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd so he began to teach them many things and this is the beautiful thing we're talking about overcoming anxiety and you know it's this reminder that we have a shepherd and that he loves us and um and so uh, you know the disciples he wanted to bring them aside to rest because they were so busy with ministry they didn't even have time to eat 
And, uh, you know, Jesus here was acknowledging the danger of burnout. And, and, you know, there have been many in the ministry that have burned out. And not just in ministry, but the reality is, whatever your calling is, that is your ministry. You know, there is no sacred secular divide. If you're called to be a teacher, if you're called to be a full-time mom, if you're called to be a mechanic or a CEO or a doctor or a lawyer, that's your calling. And, and uh, But you need times of rest as well. And, and because you can burn out in any one of those uh, careers, you know, any one of those spheres. Uh, and so Jesus acknowledged the danger of burnout, but in his mercy, he ministered to the needs of the people anyway. But the principle still remains, you need to rest if you want to make it in ministry. Unfortunately, some people burn out because they never take time to rest. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of one pastor who had a really big church, a very successful ministry, but he literally worked himself to death and he died young. And, um, you know, some of you watching today, maybe you're constantly scrolling on your phone. You never stop uh, scrolling. You never switch off. You never turn your TV off. Uh, uh, you know, I go to bed, uh, like I said, always at least an hour before I go to bed if possible and bring a good book. I love reading the journals and biographies of men and women of God who have gone before us because, you know, blue light at night isn't productive or, or healthy. Um, you know, how many marriages fail? simply because both people are working. Unfortunately, in many instances now, both, both members of a couple have to work full time and that brings its own tensions and challenges. Um, you know, we're all for the empowerment of, of women, but, you know, the challenges, in many instances, the woman ends up with, uh, you know, all the work she would have had if she had been in the home, plus putting down a day's work as well and plus all of the things with the kids and the food and and you know it it can be very very testing for a married couple and particularly when both of them are working and so uh, and it's compounded when they neglect rest and they're exhausted and when you're tired you're you can tend to be ratty and uh, and so they end up fighting with each other uh, all the time. And this is the thing. None of us are at our best when we are tired, when we're weary. And so I've learned as a pastor, it's much easier to flow with the Holy Spirit when you're rested. Um, you know, so it's not particularly spiritual to be exhausted all the time. Amen. Another one I would say is diet. Uh, exercise isn't going to benefit you as much unless it's combined with a healthy diet. It's important to eat well, to cut out processed foods and high sugar foods, because so many foods today are laced with sugar and sugar is poison to your body. You can't avoid sugar really, uh, unless you're very, very um, uh, focused on your diet. But certainly I think all of us can cut back a lot on the sugar. And I have over the last uh, year or two, I've cut back a lot. I've cut out chocolate and biscuits and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> You know, and, uh, you know, if possible, eat more veg, uh, fruit, meat, uh, you know, meat is healthy. You need it. It's good for you. Um, and drink water because many times we're not actually hungry, hungry. We're, we're just dehydrated. And I remember as a, as a 18 year old man reading a book, which really changed my life. Your body's many cries for water and talking about the importance of drinking water and what it does for you in terms of flushing out toxins and helping your body to digest food, etc., etc. It's very, very important that we drink enough water, amen? And uh, But it's not just your physical diet that's important, but also your spiritual diet. Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. And so the Bible is soul food. Uh, the, the Bible is, is, is food to our soul, amen? And so... This is why uh, we need to feed on the Bible because your diet determines your health. 
okay, whether physically or spiritually. And this is why we need to feed on the word of God. And um, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 and 13. And here it's it's dealing with the, the, the meat of the word and the milk of the word. And it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full aged, to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And so uh, there's the milk of the word and there's the meat. And, and, and God wants us to graduate to the meat of the word. And um, it's great to learn the basics, but some Christians, unfortunately, never go beyond that point. And some Christians, I think, don't even learn the basics. But um, this is why we encourage people to go to Bible school, to study the word of God, to study to show yourself approved a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth, Second Timothy, um, uh, one uh, fifteen, and uh, you know it's 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 so important for us uh, that we study uh, the word of God. That's sorry, Second Timothy two fifteen, study to shoot ourselves approved. So we need to study, we need to grow spiritually, and to do that, you need the word of God. So we need to read the Bible regularly and come to a place of deeper understanding. Uh, we need to move beyond the milk to the meat, and. Uh, any of you who have had children know that there was a time when your children were just on milk. You couldn't have given them meat. They were just little babies. But as they started to grow, you would start to give them solid food. And eventually, they would graduate to eating meat. And um, and so too, as believers, we're expected to mature in our walk um, as our minds are renewed with the word of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, Him will you keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And so the Bible says that you will have perfect peace if your mind is stayed on the Lord. And so many people's fragile mental health is rooted in their fragile spiritual health. And uh, that's why some of you need a change of diet. We need to develop healthy um, appetites and healthy habits, uh, reading rather than scrolling, um, forgiving rather than fretting, praying rather than worrying, and praising rather than complaining. The Bible says in Isaiah 61 and 3, He's given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And the last area I'd like to deal with quickly is boundaries. And this is a very important area as well. If we want to overcome anxiety, some of you have no peace because you have no boundaries. You don't have the ability to say no to other people. And as a consequence, you are constantly being dragged into things that you've no business being involved in. I've learned as a pastor to not allow people to drag you into their drama. As a pastor, you're there to help, absolutely. Uh, but at the same time, there's a saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. And this is the thing. You can lead a person to the fountain of living waters. And ultimately, as a minister, that's all you can do is point people to Jesus. But... Unless they're willing to drink of those waters, unless they're willing to listen and obey the teachings of Christ, um, you cannot help them. Uh, because if they won't listen to the Bible, uh, they're not listening to God. And um, so I, I think it was uh, Derek Prince, I remember hearing him once saying that uh, he said to a person with regards to deliverance, uh, he said, deliverance is only for the desperate. And he said, and you're not desperate come back when you are. And I thought that was, I thought that was good. And so uh, we need to have 
boundaries in Jesus' name. Because this is the reality. I've come to the conclusion, if Jesus can't help them, I'm deluded to think that I can. Okay, and that's why, again, I refuse to take on any false burdens uh, by those who are too dumb to obey what the Word of God says. And, um, uh, and, and again, if you're living in disobedience to the Word of God, that is dumb. That is foolish. And, uh, you know, God won't bless that. And God won't work with you. Um, because he is a holy God, and so it's important that we are obeying the word of God. Like the Bible says, uh, those who tremble at his word, it says in the book of Isaiah. And uh, so as a pastor, I sleep well because I have clear boundaries. I've had to establish them over the years, my wife and myself, um, because we understand that after showing people the truth, the responsibility is with them. Um, if they choose to live in willful disobedience, then they will have to deal with the consequences of that. Um and so I've had to establish boundaries in my own personal life because people will often call sometimes at the uh, latest hours of the night and you have young kids in bed and uh, there are times that I can't answer. Um, you know, if I'm recording or if I'm studying, I've also come to realize that is that if I haven't been with the Lord and if I haven't had time alone with him in his word, I have nothing to offer people anyway. And uh, sometimes people just want you to spend time with them. But uh, the reality is, is that, you know, our relationship with the Lord has to come first. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. I've come to discover that, you know what, people can receive more um, uh, through five minutes when the anointing of God falls than in, in you know, 50 years of counseling. And so uh, I, I really believe this is important to have those boundaries. And, um, and, and, and as well as time with the Lord, uh, I'm just, I, I believe just as important as time with my wife and with my family. And, uh, you know, Saturday mornings, I take my kids to, to their soccer matches. I, I watch them and uh, I think that's important. Um, I remember when my uh, my uh, second son was was uh, about eight years of age. He was um, playing soccer in Nice and uh, on a team there. And uh, I remember uh, there was a man next to me. He was Italian, and uh, we we got to be friends. His son was playing on the team as well. And he said, "I don't know if you've noticed," he said, "but any time your son kicks the ball, any time he touches the ball, he turns around and he sees this. He looks to see where you're watching." And I thought, I was so touched by that fact. And, um, but it reminded me how when I was a boy, my, my dad used to often, I used to do bike racing and I would have loved for my father to come and watch me, but he used to always just drop me off at the race and then go off to wherever he, he, he was uh, deciding to go. And, um, and, you know, I think that's, um, you know, unfortunate because it, it is such a short season that you have to impact your children. But um, so I, I make no apology for the fact that there are times I won't answer calls when I'm sitting at the table with my kids. Um, you know, it's precious family time. You know, there's a very important pr principle Pastor Joanna and myself uh, established and, uh, you know, earlier in our ministry. And that was the principle of family first. And... Um, uh, you know, that's why there's things I, I will say no to. I'm, I'm not going to go to everything. I'm not going to be at everything um, because time with my family uh, comes first because this is the reality. People can be very selfish at times and they expect you to drop everything. Uh, but as a minister, you have to have healthy boundaries and, um, and, and ensure that you have time with God, your wife and your family. Um, and so uh, for this very reason, um, you know, I would avoid 
you know, deep conversations with other women, same as my wife would avoid them with, with men. Um, you know, we have a ministry team and, and uh, certainly my wife and myself will minister to people together, or, you know, but uh, there, there, there are certain personal boundaries you have to have. I mean, my wife and myself don't have platonic friends. I mean, I don't have women that are friends that I hang out with. Oh, we're just friends or uh, Joanna. And that's a very foolish thing. And, and many times when people are involved in secular jobs, that happens and it's... Uh, you know, you're leaving a door open to the for Satan for bring temptation, and you need mental boundaries, particularly on your job. One of the problems of working from home over the last number of years is that the lines that used to be so uh, distinct, um, in that you would walk out of your office at 5 p.m. and uh, that was the end of your day, uh, those lines have become increasingly blurred to the point where people are working at still working at 10, 11 o'clock at night, trying to get through emails, trying to get through work, and uh, you need to be able to switch off. You need to be able to leave the issues and the challenges of the day behind you. Otherwise, you may end up responding angrily to your wife and your kids, uh, even though they don't deserve it. And and it's not even that you're mad at them. It's just that you're mad at somebody during the day, a difficult client or your boss or whatever, and you're taking it out on them. So it's so important that we're able to establish healthy boundaries between um, our, our career and between our home. Boundaries are key to our mental health. Um, and that also means this being discerning about who you're going to allow into your life and what media you're going to expose you and your family to. Because, again, if, if you're feeding on constant negativity being pumped out through the mainstream media, if you're watching horror movies and stuff that is demonic or very sexualized, um, that is going to affect you spiritually and that's going to be filling you with fear and anxiety and despair. It's time to tune out of much of what the world calls entertainment and it's time to tune in to the word of God in Jesus name and overcome anxiety and walk in the perfect peace that only Christ the Prince of Peace can give you hallelujah I want to thank you today for watching and I just want to pray Father bless every person that watched today Lord bless them help them to overcome anxiety I come against every spirit of fear every spirit of torment every spirit of anxiety I declare freedom and liberty in the name of Jesus Christ I thank you for manifesting your peace in their heart and in their homes in Jesus' precious name. Love you all. God bless you. Have a great day. Amen.